Well, I want to say hello and welcome to Centerway. My name is Eric. We are just so glad that you are here today. A warm welcome to everyone who is in the room, uh, as well as those of you that are watching online or watching and listening to us later on in this week. Uh, I am going to uh, talk through some info for all of us here today. But if you happen to be catching us online right now, a few of these things, even though they may not apply to you uh, specifically, many of the things that I'll mention can happen directly on our website. Uh, first of all, I want to welcome any guests that may be in the room uh, today. We are happy to serve in any way that we can. Uh, but just so you know, uh, if you're here to sway God's position on the bills, it just doesn't work that way. So you can just turn right back around. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a, Bill, I'm a Giants fan, so I can say those kind of things. <laughs> uh, but we would love to get your information from you if you're a guest today, uh, just so that we can follow up with you, get some feedback from you, and uh, serve and partner with you any way that we possibly can. Uh, anyone, not just guests, can update their info or be added to our email list. There's two ways to share or to update your info, if you'd like to do that. Uh, first is via info cards that we have uh, in the room. Uh, also, we can do that electronically on the Uversion app. The Uversion app will have instructions up on the screen as to how to connect with Centerway on there. The app is also useful during our gathering to follow along, take notes, and uh, even give through the app, which is really cool. Uh, there are other ways to give, including going to the Give tab of our website, uh, and also via the offering box in the back of the room if you're here in the room. If you have questions, if you have feedback for us, if you have ideas, you need prayer or anything else, we would love for you to connect with us via email. So you can do that uh, through connect at centerwaychurch.com. There's also other ways to connect and engage throughout the week. We have a lot of ways to do that. We have wallpapers you can put on your device. We have a Spotify playlist, excuse me, uh, social media, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that can come directly to your inbox. You can visit the messages page of the website site to access any and all of those resources. Uh, you can also take next steps. One of the things that we really value here at Centerway is taking the next step in our spiritual journey. We believe that no one has arrived and is exactly where uh, God wants you to be for the rest of your life, that we all are journeying toward Christ. And um, so we believe in next steps. So if you're looking for ways to grow, to serve, uh, to be spiritually coached, to get water baptized, or to become a Centerway steward, you can check out the Next Steps booth in the lobby. I will be in there after the gathering. Or you can check out the Next Steps tab of our website. Another cool next step that uh, you can take is joining a circle. Now, circles are going to be relaunching here. They're starting soon. Uh, that's a weekday gathering of people that just desire to spend time kind of doing life together. Uh, we talk about how the Sunday message uh, kind of applies to our week and to our lives, um, how it becomes alive in every sphere of our life, in essence. Uh, there's going to be a circle for students as well as one for adults, uh, where the kids will meet separately, but at the same time as the adults do. Again, check out our Next Steps booth uh, or uh, Next Steps tab of our website um, to find out more, and signups will go live next week. So here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Kelly is going to be reading the scripture for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll respond to the word uh, through singing. Can we bow our heads and hearts and just pray together and just ask God's blessing on this gathering today? Dear Heavenly Father, we do come before you today eager, eager to uh, hear your voice, eager to experience your presence, Lord God. We realize today that we're desperate for it, Lord God. And uh, Father, if we've just come here to uh, go through motions, Lord Jesus, then uh, we've wasted an afternoon. We need a, a real and authentic encounter with you. And we pray that you would be so gracious as to allow your presence to rest in this place. Pray for an anointing on those that are um, uh, teaching today here at Centerway, Lord God, those that are leading worship today. We ask that the, the word would come alive in our hearts and lives and that we would be changed from this point forward. We love you and ask for your grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hello, Centerway. My name's Kelly. I'll be doing the scripture reading. I would be remiss if I didn't say who day. Woohoo for all you Bengals fans. I'm sure there's not anyone besides Cooper and I. <laughs> oh. Anyway, okay, so the scripture today is Ephesians 1, 15, I believe, through 23. 
For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and inher- glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all the rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for which the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thanks, Kelly. Um, we always have, obviously, a, just a, a great time anytime we can gather in person together. Um, but we have all experienced something extremely profound and unbelievable today. We have all met a Bengals fan in, <laughs> in the wild, like in person. I never thought that would happen in my lifetime, but it has. And uh, it's incredible. So who are they anyway? Anyway, sorry. Um, All kidding aside, super happy to be here and continuing in our series uh, entitled Essential. And uh, today's message in particular is entitled Power. So Essential Power. And um, as we continue in the series, today's pericope or section of scripture is another really long sentence. So verses 15 through 23 is one entire sentence uh, in the original Greek. And for those of you that don't know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so here we have the Apostle Paul, who is the author of Ephesians, writing out um, a prayer, writing out a prayer over um, the believers that are in Ephesus, as well as those of us that proclaim to be Christ followers even today. So as we continue in our journey, it's important to remember that when, uh, when Paul is writing these first couple chapters of Ephesians, he's literally laying some doctrinal groundwork or foundation, if you will, that he's going to build on in further chapters, as I've mentioned in past weeks. But one of the threads that you'll see throughout Ephesians, and one that's very evident in today's text, is the clear theological underpinnings uh, of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the fullness of God's power. Now, speaking of uh, power, I remember a time in particular that I was powerless. Um, If you've ever experienced something like that, you know uh, kind of the, in general, fear or the sense that comes over you. Sorry, this is loose here, so I can hear it kind of pounding. Apologize. So that's my fault if you're trying to fix it. Um, The... uh, you know, the, the sense of feeling powerless, like when your microphone isn't working. Uh, no, it was uh, 2017, and you know the vulnerability or the sense that you have when you've, you have a, an awareness that you've lost uh, power to control your situation or the circumstances. Uh, it was in 2017, I was consulting a church in Pennsylvania, and uh, there was uh, another consultant that was working with me, and we had a hotel room there, and as we were just talking, there was a snowstorm that was coming that was pretty significant. I said, listen, I'm going to try to beat that storm. We had been there about a week, and uh, I said, I'm going I'm to head home, and so he said, yeah, I think I'm going to do the same thing. He had a little bit of a shorter trip. I think he was living in Pittsburgh at the time, and so I had to head to Syracuse at the time, and so So I was headed up 81 North, and if you remember uh, this storm, it was a significant one that ultimately led to 81 being shut down, which happens often, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But I was headed towards Tully, which, again, if you're familiar, you know that that's like the danger area of uh, of 81. And I was already going somewhere around 30 to 40 miles an hour. So I was going pretty slow up 81, very aware of the situation. I had a four-wheel drive vehicle, um, and it was turned on. And so I'm driving along, just taking my time, Late at night, not another car on the road, and snow is just dumping down. And uh, it's obvious, it's well over a foot deep. And as I come up towards the Tully exit, um, I experience what nobody ever kind of wants to experience. I start to lose control of the vehicle. Now, 
I have lived my entire life in upstate New York with the exception of when I went to college. Um, and so I'm very familiar and used to driving in snow. I didn't do anything stupid. I didn't slam on the brakes or gas it or anything like that. I'm just kind of letting the, the car move and I'm uh, adjusting, doing all the right things, all the things I know to do, things that have saved me, uh, you know, a hundred times before. And uh, something unique about this situation is, uh, unbeknownst to me, beneath the near 18 inches of snow that are on 81 is a thick layer of ice. And so, you know, if, if you've <laughs> driven in upstate New York for any amount of time, there's nothing you can do about ice. And so that's exactly what happens. My vehicle just starts going sideways. And so all of a sudden, 18 inches of snow just dumping over the hood of my car as my vehicle starts to turn sideways and it starts to come the other way. And I just begin like, calling out to the Lord. I'm like, oh God, help me. God, help me. Oh Jesus, please help me, help me. And I'm sitting there and I realize I have absolutely no control. In fact, even my vehicle loses power. It's like all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how I'm pumping the gas, the vehicle is not catching up to it. And you know that if you've driven a vehicle for any amount of time and you're on ice, you're hitting the gas and it doesn't matter, the wheels are just spinning. And so I'm trying to do everything I can to correct or to guide the vehicle. And it is clear I have zero control, zero power. And all of a sudden, um, some of you guys are concerned. Listen, I made it. Spoiler alert, I survived. I know, right? All the digits, everything. I'm good. But uh, all of a sudden, I slam right into the guardrail. I mean, and it was as horrifying. If you've ever experienced car accident, you know what I'm talking about. Just boom, and just everything in the car becomes weightless. And it just, everything flies everywhere. And you slam in, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened. I was devastated. And I ended up, uh, there was a police officer up ahead because there were accidents all over 81. And um, I ended up having to get towed home because my vehicle was totaled. So the question I want to ask you as we move into the text, and the reason I'm telling this story is this, what do you find yourself praying about most often? What do you find yourself praying about most often? Now that might seem like it's not connected to the story I just told, but I, I want to, uh, to continue on. I realize that at face value, this could be somewhat of a challenging question to answer. I'm sure with a wide range of people listening, as is typical, uh, the answers could range from, I don't pray, <laughs> all the way to, I pray so much that I couldn't possibly know what it is that I pray most often about. So I realize that we have that whole gamut in the room and even listening or watching later on or online. So let me first address those that say they don't pray. I would argue that you do, in fact, pray. In fact, I believe that you pray more often than you even realize. Now, I don't mean over your meals. <laughs> You're like, oh, Lord, please don't let anybody kill me. I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No. I want, I want to challenge you to consider for a second, what is prayer? It's speaking to God. It's speaking to God. And I believe humanity cries out to God more than we're even aware in fact, scripture talks about even when we don't have the words, we pray. Psalm chapter five, verses one through three, King David is the author of that psalm and he talks about praying with his groanings. That in fact, as he cries out to the Lord, his spirit intercedes. Romans eight twenty six talks about groanings too deep for words. Literally praying. Now, granted, these verses in context are specifically concerning believers that have no words to pray. So you may say, well, I don't pray very much. But if you've experienced heartache, if you've experienced pain, if you have the fear of the unknown, when you've prayed all the words, all you can muster is, is groaning, the weeping before the Lord. You've come to the end of yourself. And I want to tell you that according to scripture, you are in fact praying in that moment. As a pastor, I've been present in some of the greatest moments of people's lives, as well as some of their absolute darkest. And in people's darkest moments, Christian or not, praying people or not, they all cry out to God. Even if it's just to challenge his existence. I've witnessed it in waiting rooms, in hospitals, at grave sites. People crying out the deep longing to know that there is a God in God. If you exist, why do you appear to be absent in this moment? I want to submit to you that what you pray most often about is what you control the least. Let me say that one more time. 
what you pray most often about is what you control the least. Some of us have very active prayer lives, but listen to the point, what all of humanity on the entire gamut, all of humanity, Christian or not, has in common is that we pray when we feel powerless. When we feel powerless, much like in that moment as the car's flying off the road, I'm just crying out to God because I have absolutely no power and no control Today's text is about understanding the power of God and experiencing the spiritual benefits of a true relationship with God. So let's start with verse 15. It says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. All right? So this is kind of timely, but what, what Paul is doing here is he's setting the groundwork for what it is that we need to understand before we kind of move on to understanding the power of God. And it's this, it's the marks of a follower of Jesus. He says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, right? So faith in Jesus must be evident. It must be evident in word. People must know (laughs) that we are Christ followers. I have heard this. I've heard it, is what he says. And he goes on and he says, and your love toward all the saints. So love for one another is an action. It's an action of a follower of Jesus. Now, John 13, I believe it's verse 35, says that the world will know we are followers of Jesus because of our love for each other. Why would, why would that stick out? Have you ever thought about that? Like, is the assumption that everybody just hates each other? <laughs> like, we all hate each other. I can tell you guys like each other. You must be Christians. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that are far from God that show love for one another. So what is this actually kind of talking about? I think we need to understand in their society, there was division. It's way different than today. <laughs> In their society, there was division. In fact, it was extremely segregated. You lived in your people groups, and your people groups only cared for one another. So it was all about uh, ethnically being together, socioeconomically they were divided, and also politically they were divided. Way different than today. But at the church in Ephesus, people of all different walks of life laid down their differences and loved one another sacrificially. And that's what got people's attention. They were blown away. It was like, wait a second, but they're from that ethnic group. Why are you guys caring for each other? We don't do that. Wait, they politically believe that. Why would you guys be friends? I don't understand. Wait, I'm confused. How is it that you guys care for one another? Listen, it's very similar to today. It's the same today as when they were talking and struggling through things in Ephesus. This is gonna be surprising. So here's a spoiler alert, all right? Our social constructs divide. What? Yeah, I know. News to all of us. And only the gospel unifies. That's it. The gospel is the only unifying factor. We are all sinners in need of grace, regardless of our ethnicity, regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of what we think politically. The thing we have common is that we have come to the conclusion that we are sinners in need of grace. And that is what connects us. If our identity is in our ethnicity, if it's in our socioeconomic status, or if it's in our politics, then we are missing the power of the gospel. We're missing it. We're children of God first. Children of God first. The world says we're defined by our differences. But the Bible says we're defined by what we have in common. You know, I have two sisters, one older, one younger. I'm their favorite. (laughs) Just don't ask them. We disagree. We disagree about a lot, as brothers and sisters do, right? but we're family. We're family. So regardless of what we disagree about, like if they need something, they know they can call me. I'm there. I've proven that time and time again and will continue as long as I have air in my lungs. They're my family. We're not defined by our differences. We're defined by what we have in common. 
and you better not try to hurt one of them. I will lose my ever-loving mind. (laughs) It's just, it's innately in me. You don't hurt my family. You see, what should be clear here is that believers are a family, that we can have our differences, we can have our disagreements, but we are united by the fact that we are children of the living God. And so therefore, if we have need, we meet it. And you better not come against the church of God because we have each other's back. And so that's what Paul is saying in this first verse. He's clarifying, like, listen, we have to understand our identity before we start talking about the power of God or we'll miss it altogether. And he goes on to his prayer and he says this. He says he's praying in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now I want to talk for a minute about wisdom and revelation. Wisdom in the Greek means insight and revelation means literally to unveil or to disclose that which is hidden or concealed. So this is about revealing what is hidden or not obvious. So wisdom and revelation. He's praying that we are given insight to the unveiling of those things which are hidden in what? Hidden in what? Hidden in the knowledge of God. So let me clarify, because our flesh starts to get like kind of excited here. (laughs) This is not about an impartation of knowledge. (laughs) Our, Our minds kind of go there because again, we want power. We want power and so we want to control situations and we foolishly think that we can do that with knowledge. But 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 is super clear. It says that knowledge puffs up, puffs up. In fact, define, it says, it actually makes us prideful and arrogant. That when we think we know something, we get prideful and arrogant. The same verse goes on and says, but love builds up. It's love. So it's interesting. This is not about knowledge puffing up. This is about God revealing himself. God revealing himself, his heart, his character, revealed by the Holy Spirit. I know she's praying that, listen, you would have an unveiling, an awareness of who God is. It's about knowing God. And the more we know God, get this, the more we're actually humbled and convicted by our motives and by our finite knowledge. In fact, if we read on, Verses 18 through 19 says this, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that our hearts the center of our being, who we are, would be enlightened to what? To three things, actually. And we've talked about some of them. The first one says, the hope to which he has called you to. And hope, if you remember, we talked about that last week. It's the confidence of what Christ has done on behalf of humanity. And so the first thing he's saying that he wants our hearts enlightened to is the past, what it is that has already happened, the hope. We talked about it last week, like I said. The second thing is the riches of his glorious inheritance. You, you specifically, as an individual, are valuable to God. And that you'll walk in that inheritance. And the idea of that inheritance is actually future-facing. So we, we have Paul talking about, listen, what has happened in the past, what is happening in the future. We talked about that two weeks ago. So he's going back to the groundwork he's already laid. But then he goes on and he says, and the third thing, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? What is present right now? And that's in fact today's focus. I want to spend the rest of our time right here really unpacking this. There's something very significant is happening here. There are four words, four, four words meaning power in the Greek that are used here. To give you an idea of the significance of this, nowhere in the New Testament are there more than two words meaning power used at the same time. So something really significant is happening, and I'm going to explain, because they don't all translate as power in our text, I'm going to explain what they are. The first one 
for power is power. <laughs> it's the greatness of his power, so that is translated as power. But this power is towards us who believe, and this word for power in the Greek is where we actually get our English word for dynamite. And it's talking about God's power capacity. God's power capacity. That it is actually, his power capacity is immeasurable greatness. So what does that mean? <laughs> immeasurable greatness can actually be translated immeasurable megaton of dynamite. Immeasurable megaton of dynamite. All right. There is no comparison. What Paul is saying is, listen, you cannot compare the power of God. Now, I'm not a big fan of spicy food. I don't know how and when that became like a sign of manhood, but sorry, guys, I'm letting you down. Like, oh, try it. It makes my nose water and I urinate myself. It's amazing. Like, this is fun. Like, I love it. I can't even feel my face. Have another. I'm like, you are insane. Like, there's nothing enjoyable about that to me. You want to have digestive issues, eat away. All right. Here's the deal. My brother-in-law he is like immune to heat. Like he makes salsa. I've talked about it before where he almost killed me with a salsa. It is ridiculously hot. And he's just like, whoo, mm. and other people are dying. As they're, so he loves hot things. And so just out of curiosity, I Googled what is the hottest pepper to consume? And it is called the Carolina Reaper pepper. What? Like, what? Like, here, have a Carolina Reaper. I'm like, mm, that sounds yummy. Wow. To give you an idea, it is 100 times hotter than a jalapeno. That's according to the Scoville heat unit. The Scoville heat unit is actually a scientific way where they melt or they uh, chop up and extract the liquid, and they actually literally scientifically test the units of heat. What? So a jalapeno, to give you an idea, is somewhere in the range, because you know you've had one that's like really spicy and one that's like, eh, I didn't quite die. So is anywhere from 2,500 to 8,000 Scoville heat units. A Carolina Reaper pepper is 1.4 to 2.2 million Scoville heat units. What? Like, why measure? Just put a sign. Don't eat, idiot. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. If you love it, I'm not trying to pick on you. It just blows my mind that people can handle that stuff. Why is it measured? We want to know. We want to know. We want to know which is more powerful. And we look. I was enamored. I just kept looking at this like, well, what about this pepper? What about a ghost pepper? What about this pepper? What about that pepper? I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. Look how spicy that one is. I'll never eat them, but I'm intrigued. I want to know which one is more powerful. We love the idea of clarity around power. But God's power isn't on a scale. It's not on a scale. In fact, verse 20 talks about how God raised Christ from the dead. So Paul literally says, listen, a megaton, right? You don't even understand how powerful a megaton of dynamite, you can't even comprehend it. And by the way, you know that thing you'll all face, that one thing you cannot escape, how 100% of you, the moment you are born, will someday die, sorry. Just so you know, God's power, it's not limited by death. He raised Jesus. There's no scale. There's no scale. So we've got the first word that talks about God's power capacity. The second word for power is actually, it says, his power toward us who believe, according to the working. Working is translated as power. It means operative power, where we actually get the English word energy from. It means active power. Active, operative power. In other words, God is active. His power is active. Goes on, of his great, and great translated is the third word for power. It means strength or physical power, and it means visible power, what you see visibly. So we've got, we've got God's capacity, we've got him being active, and we have his visible power. And the fourth and final one is actually the next word, might. Might is power that is inherently possessed. It's just inherently possessed. So get this, God's power has endless capacity. It's active, it's visible, and it's inherently possessed. God 
is power. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. He's not limited by our constructs. He's not limited by anything. He is all-powerful. I remember when I was in college, uh, there were some buildings that were being knocked down, and uh, there were all things roped off, and you couldn't get near it. And one day, they brought in a huge vehicle on a big trailer, and it drove off. And it, I didn't know what it was. It looked like some type of a crane, and they started to assemble it in place. It came on different flatbeds, and as they put it together, they ultimately attached a huge wrecking ball on this thing. It was breathtaking. Just looking at this thing, you knew it had inherent power. You could see it. It was unbelievable. And so I remember finding out when they're going to knock this building down because I had never seen anything like that. And I was blown away by the concept. And so I was standing there and I was waiting. And all of a sudden they start this thing. And when they start this thing, you hear this power. And so you see it, you hear it. And all of a sudden this thing swings back and just smashes into this building. And you are blown away by its active, visible power. It's a snapshot of what Paul is trying to say. He's trying to say, listen, do you know God? Because there's a difference between me saying, hey, a wrecking ball can knock a building down. You're like, okay. But when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, that thing knocks stuff down. And then when it starts, you're like, oh my gosh, that thing's going to knock something down. And then when it starts moving, you're like, this is amazing. And when it destroys a building, you're like, that thing is all powerful. I want to drive that thing. (laughs) Because I've experienced the, the power of a wrecking ball. And so what Paul is talking about here is, listen, we can know in our head that God is powerful. And we can all sit here and say, yeah, I get it. God's all powerful. But do we know it? Do we know of it? Or have we experienced it? Have we experienced the power of God? That power, which means we can rest in God's will and have confidence in our connection as children of an all-powerful good father. You see, we often have a head and heart disconnect. We know something in our head like, hmm, yeah, God's powerful. Amen, brother. (laughs) I love the church. He sure is. We serve a big God. But have we connected that to our heart, to who we are? Has the Spirit enlightened our heart as Paul is praying so that we could see it, so that we could understand, so we could comprehend the power of God? If you have, I want to ask a question. Do you know of the power of God or have you experienced God's power? Because if you've experienced God's power, if you've experienced it would inform how you respond. It would re- inform how you react situationally, how you react to your fears, how you react to your pain, how you react to heartache, the situations of the world. It will even transform how you respond to temptation if you understand the power of God and you have experienced it. You know, Jesus stood before Pilate. It's recorded in the Gospels. He stood before Pilate and he was about to die a death that you and I deserve. He was about to go to a cross and lay down his life for your sin and mine. And something incredible happens. Pilate is talking to Jesus and Jesus isn't answering him. He's not defending himself. We talked a little bit about this in Mark. But Pilate looks at him and he says, do you realize I have the authority to take your life? He's literally looking at Jesus and powering up. Like, don't you get it, man? I have power. And Jesus looks up at him and says, oh yeah, I know the power you have. You have that authority because it's been given to you from above. You see, Jesus understood the power of God. In our situations of life, we feel victimized by the authority and powers of this world instead of resting in the reality that God is at work. You see, Jesus understood that the only reason that that Pilate had the authority to take his life is because God had given him that authority. Jesus experienced and understood God's power. Believers have access to this power. What does it look like? 
What does that look like practically? I mean, are we supposed to be like little Jesuses that look around and be like, you only have this authority because as I'm flying down the highway sideways, like, listen, snow, you only have this authority because the Lord above has given it to you. Boom, like, I receive it. Like, what does it look like practically? It looks like this. It looks like in the darkest moments of our life, in the most painful situations of our life, we cry out to the Lord and we say, listen, God, can you change this? Can you intervene? Will you do something to spare me this pain, this difficulty? But, but if you don't, I'll still serve you. I'll worship you anyway because I know you're in control. Because I realize you're big and I'm small. You're all powerful and I'm not. And so you know things that I don't know. You have a perspective that I don't understand and I'm not gonna try to strive to understand it. I'm not gonna try to bend your will to mine. I'm gonna realize that I'm a child of the living God and I'm gonna rest in your power. That's what it looks like. Sometimes with tears streaming down our face and not understanding the circumstances or the situation. In fact, Paul in verse 22 says, and he put all things under his feet, meaning God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. You see it? It's headship. Here it means authority and intimacy. A knowledge of God, or have you allowed God to be the head of your life? Headship means we love what he loves. We hate what he hates. Get this, it means that his character informs our actions. God, what would you have me do here? Oh man, I wanna, I wanna rise up in anger. I wanna, I wanna somehow get vengeance here. I need to fight for myself, but God, what should I do? How do I respond here? You see, his power comes through you to accomplish his will. It's allowing the deposit of his spirit into our lives to open our hearts and minds to say, God, would, would you shape my motives here? Would you lead me and guide me? Would you give me wisdom and insight as to who you are and how you would function in this situation? Have you been transformed by the power of the gospel? Are you still fighting? You're still fighting to be more powerful than God to be more in control. I can work this out. If I, if I could just, if I knew everything about the situation, I could fix it. I know I could. No. We need to understand who God is and rest in him. And so the, the question I want us to consider as we think about the application this week the text requiring something of each and every one of us, the question I want to challenge you with as you leave this place and even as we respond in worship is this, which attribute of God's character will I commit to meditate on this week? Which attribute of God's character will I commit to meditate on this week? Because here's the deal. We're all living with different heartaches and different frustrations and different joys and different, some of you guys are on a mountaintop right now. Like any, everything couldn't go more right. And others of you, it's like, I seriously don't think I can survive one more wrong thing. And everywhere in between. And so which attribute of God's character will you commit to meditate on to say, Lord, I need you to awaken my heart to this. Will you show me? Will you show me who you are? so that I can walk according to that. I wanna challenge you to just bow your heads for a moment. If you want, you can close your eyes. I just don't want you to be distracted as the, the worship team makes their way up. So if you would, just bow your heads and, and consider this. Maybe you're here today and you have not surrendered to the power of God. You're not in relationship with him. You are still fighting for yourself, for number one. Today, I wanna let you know that you're never gonna win that battle and you're only gonna be more exhausted. That in all things, you'll be striving and there's an opportunity for you to rest in the power of an almighty God. And it just looks like coming into relationship with him, being part of the family of God. And so today, there's no special way. It's not a specific prayer or anything. It's just acknowledging, Lord, I'm a sinner. You died for my sins. Would you forgive me? 
come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Some variation of surrender like that. I want to let you know if, if you pray that prayer or some variation of it, I would love to talk to you about next steps. In fact, if you're present in the room today, uh, Eric will be available at next steps to be able to talk to you about what the next steps look like in your journey. If you're watching or listening later, you can reach out to us. You can go to our website or you can email us. We'd love to walk alongside you. But for everyone else today that has already crossed that line of faith, which attribute of God's character will you commit to meditate on this week? Do you need to understand that he's all-powerful? Is that what it needs to look like? Like today, do you need to say, listen, God, will you show me? Will you show me? Will you awaken my heart to the reality of your power and that I could rest in that? Do you need to know that he's all-knowing? And he knows the beginning and the end and everything in between. That he has full knowledge. So you don't have to prove anything. Can you rest in your finite knowledge? Do you need to understand today that he's ever-present? Regardless of where you are and what you're going through, that God hasn't left you, he's not forsaken you? With heartache and pain and difficulty, you feel alone and broken, but God has never left your side. You want so bad for him to pull you out of the situation of your life, but him in his wisdom and in his understanding has said, no, you'll walk this journey, but I won't leave you through it. I'll walk alongside you. You're not alone. Do you need to understand his character that he's loving? That he's forgiving? You see what I'm saying? Do you need to understand an attribute of God's character and meditate on it? Lord, would you awaken my heart so that I don't just know you intellectually, but that you just wreck my life with the truth of the gospel, that you rearrange my priorities, that you change the way I live, that the world outside would look and say, but you're different. You're different. In fact, if, if you say, listen, I meditate on God's character often, then maybe today your application is to meditate on his mission and maybe where you've gotten distracted from it. Who is it that God has placed in your sphere of influence to love, to reach out to, to be a hand of feet, a hands and feet of Jesus, to be providing and loving and whatever that looks like. Maybe it means a spiritual conversation or an invitation. But which attribute of God's character will I commit to meditate on this week? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray that we would truly have an encounter, an awakening of our spirit, Lord, that we would understand the fullness of who you are, that we wouldn't move through this life as one that does not know or has not experienced the real living God, but that we would see situations differently because of who you are because you tell us to extend grace, because you tell us to be slow to speak and quick to listen, quick to forgive, quick to love, slow to, to be divisive. God, would you show us your character and would it transform every aspect of our lives? We surrender to you. We wanna live in the fullness of the power that you make available to us that we wouldn't settle for a lesser version of our one and only lives. So God, we worship you today because you're worthy, not because we like our circumstances or our situations, but because you are an all-powerful, almighty, incredible, good Father. So we worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Let's worship him together. Mom, would you stand with us? We're just gonna sing about who God is and what he's done for us. Would you worship him?
through this life looking for answers. And our answers are all found in him. They're all found in him. And so as we leave this place, let's consider what it is that we need to, to meditate. What character of God do we need to meditate on? And I just wanna close us in prayer as we go our separate ways. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to have our hearts awoken in the awareness of who you are, what it is that you've done, and how we can be transformed by that reality. So Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you would inundate our lives with an awareness of your presence. And we surrender. We surrender to who you are and to what you want to do in and through us. I pray you protect us as we go our separate ways. Bring us back safely again next week as we gather to worship and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The team will continue to, to play. If, there's, um, if you want to remain here, you can. If you want prayer for anything, you certainly can. Uh, Eric's out at the next steps area. If you have any questions or want to take any next steps, otherwise, we will see you next week. God bless you as you go.